For God. For country. For truth. For justice. For the Republic. You're listening to the Powder Monkey Podcast on PirateInfoWars.com. Welcome to episode 19 of the Powder Monkey Podcast. Um, today, I, I have uh, hit the bigs time because uh, my guest today needs no introduction. He is a patriot, an info warrior, a um, Purple Heart recipient two times over. Um, he's put his money where his mouth is many, many times. Uh and so uh, I'm, I'm, it, it's one of my bucket lists. So, uh, Joe, I, I really want to thank you for coming on today. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, man, anytime. I love doing shows. It's, it's, it's cool to, to be able to talk to people, you know, especially, you know, when you find people who are like-minded and, you know, you can bounce ideas and things off. And, you know, sometimes someone can say something that can spark something in your head that you never thought of. So it's fun to be able to have conversations like this. Um, I want to start first. Uh, there's something I need to do. Uh, first, I need to start. I'm, I'm sure you heard last week uh, Owen Schroyer broke it on the uh, war room, but Corona can be spread through digital transactions now. So, you know, digital interactions. I'm sorry to inform you, but uh, we've all got the Corona right now. But <laughs> there's, I'm, I'm going to fix that because... The state of New York can't shut this down. We're going to we're going to take this and we're going to cover the corona right up. There you go. And by the time this episode's over, my corona will be gone, brother. See, you can you can remove the corona at infowarstore.com with that little koozie there. But okay, let's get on with it. So, uh, you know, just uh, that didn't turn out as funny as I thought it would be, but it was it was hilarious in my in my mind. So anyway, <laughs> so uh uh, I, w- I want to start at the beginning. Um, you, the, the first time I saw you, um, you come on Infowars. Uh, you were interviewed by Alex, and um, you know it was regarding Michael Hastings. Mm-hmm. So I want to start at the beginning. We're, we're what a little over two weeks from from an anniversary, and so um, you know I. In, in going through some of the some of the things out there, even the attack pieces, I think it's kind of funny because there are no more Infowars videos and their and their links. There are no more any. There's nothing out there. They the the left has eaten itself. You, it's even their articles are are bare bones. Mm-hmm. But uh, but today, just you know, I want to I want to uh, just maybe have you rehash, looking this far back, maybe. Uh, you know, just just how you feel. You know what what your critique is uh, of where we are, and and you know, Brennan leaked documents, witch hunts, all that, man. Where where are you on that? Well, you know, it started off with you know befriending a really great guy, Michael Hastings, and 
him seeing something in me that I, I didn't know I had. You know, I, I thought I was going to be career military and stay in until I was so old that I had to just be kicked out. Like, they had to put me on a forklift or something and force me off base. Because I liked the military life. I didn't have a father who was around a lot. So, for me, it was kind of nice to have, you know, strong male leadership around. And I've always been kind of like a guy's guy. So, I like to have that camaraderie. I like to have other men around me who strive for greatness and who want to push the limits of things. And I found that in the Army. Um, but then when I met Michael, I saw that there was another way to do that. And it wasn't just the physical nature of, you know, being a man and, you know, doing things. But it was also a way of using your mind um, and researching and exposing corruption and being a man in that way. And I saw that as a pretty uh, cool thing, that this guy, the skinny little dude, had the ability to take on four-star generals and presidents and, you know, really move and make a lot of fucking changes in government. And he's just a little guy with a pen and a camera, you know. So to me, that spoke volumes that, you know, the pen was mightier than the sword, and that this guy was truly an amazing human being. So him and I became really good friends over time. And he told me, he goes, Joe, he goes, if you ever get out of the military one day, he goes, I'd love to see you doing something on camera. Um, if you get out or if something happens and you have to get out and need work, hit me up. So long story short, I got out, hit him up. And this is when Michael... I was just getting back from Afghanistan. Michael was deployed there with me as well. He was with my unit. Uh, this was probably like the summer of 2008, nine. We come back. So around 2009, I've now PCS from Fort Bragg to El Paso, Texas, to Fort Bliss, to the Biggs Army Airfield, which is kind of, you know, weird. Ironic. Yeah. So I get there. And Michael's giving me a call. He goes, are you about to get out? And I'm like, yeah. They said I've got a little bit left. I got hurt. And they're going to probably medically retire me. I don't know what I'm going to do. He goes, well, I know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to do stuff with me. So he set me up for some interviews and stuff like that. But then he was also telling me the things that he was working on. And he was, at the time, doing a piece on Brennan. And that he had just come out with a story called The Runaway General, I believe was the name of the title in Rolling Stone. And that's the one that got General Stanley McChrystal, um, at the end of the yes. day, fired. Uh, you know, kicked out of his position because he, uh, they, when I left Afghanistan, he was supposed to come home a week or two later. Then that volcano in Iceland happened. It shut down all air traffic from mm -hmm. Europe to the U.S. And he got diverted and had to fly into France, I believe it was, with McChrystal and follows a team around and they just got fucking shit face hammered drunk all the time <laughs> and we're just like spilling the beans on everything and michael's like hey you know i'm still here right like right and he's like yeah i don't give a shit you write down whatever the fuck <laughs> so he wrote down a piece and he you know said that obama was essentially a moron and shit like that and put that in there and you know next thing you know he's calling me and he's like man i'm scared he's like they're gonna fire this guy from this thing i wrote he's like i'm getting threats and you know to me, it was like, wow, that's so cool. Like, you wrote this shit, and this fucking loser is going to lose his job over it, um, you know. And McChrystal wasn't the greatest. McChrystal was the kind of guy that when he came in and took over the commanding forces of NATO, um, when we're in Afghanistan, our when Obama took over, 
they basically made our um, ability to defend ourselves very difficult. We couldn't be shot at. I mean, we, if we were shot at, we couldn't return fire. Um, a lot of just crazy shit. The rules oh, yeah. of engagement. Rules of engagement. And it made it almost entirely difficult to complete missions and get shit done, uh, to come home alive, essentially. I mean, it was very dangerous for a while. So when he left and he was fired, there was a, a definitely a celebration amongst the military ranks who were deployed, I'll say mm-hmm. the least. But he did, Michael did create a lot of enemies. What a lot of people don't understand is when a general rises up in the ranks, he has an entourage who follows him, captains and you know, first sergeants and all this shit that, you know, really he has a team that travels with him. And as he rises up, those guys, he brings them with him. So when he got fired, a whole lot of other people got fired. Yeah. Um, and it made their, it tarnished their, um, their service, so to say. It made their, their paperwork and, you know, everything they've accomplished, it tainted it. So he created a lot of enemies. And I just remember him calling me and, telling me how scared he was and, you know, that he'd been working on a lot of stuff and he was going to, uh, you know, just, he needed to just like, he was just kind of overwhelmed by everything. And I remember getting an email from him and uh, it would have been in a couple of weeks. He died, what, on the 18th? So 18th. the 16th or 17th, I got the email. I think it was the 17th, yeah, earlier that day. And then that night, early in the morning, is when I got the call and saying that he had died. Um, and that really lit a fire under my ass that this guy was doing the right thing. He didn't really play partisan politics. He wasn't really left or right. He was more liberal. I mean, I, I knew that just from talking to him, but he was still open-minded enough to listen to all sides. He wasn't so polarized as it is now with a lot of these right. journalists where they're stuck in one mindset. They're stuck you know, defending Obama to the death or whatever like that. And that's why I get agitated by people, too, on the right, too, that you're, they, they, they so blindly follow Trump. I go, look, this is a guy who's fallible. He can make mistakes. He can screw up. He can mm-hmm. turn. He can, he, can, he can do things. And if we don't call him out on that stuff, we're no better than the, the left on, you know, the extreme left that's doing nothing but pushing for a guy like Biden who's a complete and total moron. Um, right. You know, we've got to be able to call out our own. And that's one of the things I really learned from him when I met him is to not be so, to to not blindly follow individuals so much to, to, to to yeah, to seek the truth and then to push for that. And if, you know, the the person you elected doesn't do that, you hold their feet to the fire and you make sure that, that, that you're heard and that we as a nation voice this to him. So he listens. We know that our president now pays attention to social media and listens to a lot of his people say. So when a lot of the people, when he, if he fucks up and they don't say anything, he right. thinks he's still doing the right thing. So mm-hmm. that's why it's important. It's an imperative that we are voicing and keeping people on the right path. You said um, in uh, 2019, late in 2019, in an interview with uh, Alex and Owen, um, it, a, a segment that you did, you said uh, that 2020 is going to be a test for us. And later on, you went to say you went on to say that this is the kind of stuff you see in movies or read in books. And, um, you know, I, I call this resist movement uh, in, an, in an old episode, World War T. And now it's kind of ironic that you're seeing, you know, you're hearing that that mainstream me- mockingbird media is, uh, you know, using World War Z clips, you know, to, to kind of. <laughs> 
to kind of fill in what's going on in in the nation right now you know um I, I don't. I don't know. It's. It's just. Uh, I, I think that you were so much on target when you said that. Um, well, I don't think that I'm prophetic in any way. I don't think Alex is prophetic in any way. Or no, I think you could just it, see the writing on the wall. Yeah, yeah. It's just that if you take the time to really read and and look at the path and look at the 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 direction of travel of what's happening with the news, with politics, with society you can kind of make a prediction down the road a little bit of where you're going to see things in a couple years. Um, and if you really pay attention to everything, it, it, it's not a difficult thing, I don't think. I mean, I, I think it's pretty easy to see that we were going to come to a point like this. And here we are. What is it? It's June. Yeah. We're not even halfway through 2020. And it's already been the worst year. <laughs> oh, my God. It's yeah, been I'm, the most insane time of anyone's life right now, I think. I think this I, is a... When you made that statement, did you expect this intensity, I guess, is what I'm getting at? Did you did you see, you know, cities burning at this point? Um, After Ferguson, yeah. After what I saw in Ferguson, I saw that that was only the iceberg and that, that things were will get bigger okay. and things will get crazier because we only scratched the surface. That, that lasted a few months, uh, give you. That was an entire month of August. Then September, there was a lull. But then in October, I believe it was, and then into November, because Jakari and I stayed down there for like three months. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Ferguson went from the fall and into we're freezing cold and in snow. Um, it took a while, but as soon as that no indictment was done, there was a few riots that popped off. It got kind of bad for a few days, but then it just died off. Right. And the news began to pick up and other shit happened and we were into elections and all that stuff and no one cared anymore. But I knew that something else would happen that would just dominate. And when you look at how much hate and disdain and just disgust they have for this president and for people on the right in general, Republicans, conservatives, libertarians, things like that, that they were going to use something like that again to come after us. And I mean – just a few months ago, they what was it? The the government was buying up all this body armor, and I'm like, man, this is kind of weird. Oh, yeah. And now we see why. We see truckloads of bricks being dropped off at people's places in cities like Modesto, California, where this is a primarily kind of like middle class white area. And they wake up one morning. I'm seeing the footage, and there's just bricks dropped out. And the next thing you know, mm -hmm. people show up to that that night and start rioting. Like, why? No, you know, that's Acme Brick Company. Acme Brick Company. That's isn't is that what you're talking about with with what sort of Millie released and? Um, oh, I don't know. I haven't seen, but I, I, I'm just going by from what I've seen. I mean, I, I know right. some of these companies are backed by Warren Buffett and uh, you know the Bill Gates, the dickhead, um, uh, George yeah. Soros. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that these guys have done that. And then when you see, obviously, you know, in what was it? January 9th, 2017, Dr. Fossey said that in Trump's administration that he would face a very bad pandemic. Right. Um, that would happen. So there's kind of been this, I guess they thought their original attempt to overthrow the election in a sense or to delegitimize the, the 2016 presidential uh, nomination, right. um, that, that, that the, the Trump-Russia thing would work. Well, then when that fell... It went on to the Omarosa tapes, and then went on to all this other stuff. And then we completely took our focus off the president, and we went to Brett Kavanaugh. And we've seen them attack, 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 attack. 
But I've really noticed the most, and what's really the most disappointing to me, where we're at right now, is the right is almost complicit in all this because they do nothing. Look at how the left mobilizes. Look at how the left, even even if they take away the Soros money and all that shit, these people still show up in droves to stand up for what they believe in. We have so many people on the right keyboard warriors who will sit there mm-hmm. and essentially take it up the butt. Uh, right. They, you know, when when and to me it was a really big red flag when the government's going or local state and 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 governments and stuff like that were shutting down churches. Right. I'm like, but yeah. it's okay to wait in line to go, you know, to to throw our money at Amazon or to go to Walmart or go to Sam's Lowe's. Club or Costco or Lowe's. That's okay. The liquor store. That's cool. Yeah, you can go to the liquor store, but you can't go worship God. You can't go right. into a place like that. Um, the Muslim churches are, you know, whatever they're the fucking those places. Those, yeah, the mosque. Those places were left unscathed, untouched. Those people were allowed to continue. Because, you know, the left has embraced Islam so much, they hold that higher than the country that was founded on Christianity. So, you know, we've seen God be taken completely out of everything. And then what have we seen fill that place evil? That, I mean, that's that's what I've always said is they they, the first thing they have to do is attack your God. They have to they have to break you spiritually to to, you know, mull over you the rest of the way. Once you're broken spiritually, nothing else, you know, every everything else is just semantics. But, um, you know, I, I mean, it, it, you mentioned, I, I think Alex had a guy named Tom Especial on today. And he, he mentioned something about Virginia. Um, and, and he was right. They were in a state of emergency. They had, uh, I mean, and I said it on the Leo Zagami show, but never before had I, you know, have I seen so many Democrats come together for um, borders and and strong protection at these borders. <laughs> but by God, they had it around the Capitol that day. And, uh, you know, how long did it take them to act on the, on the, you know, rioter, you know, I'm sorry, the protesters, um, you know, it's it's complete hypocrisy, and um, well, they you attack, can see they attack me and the Proud Boys all the time oh when we go out. I mean, when I did my uh, big event in Portland, it was one of the largest right wing protests in American history. I didn't know this; okay. it was in the Guinness Book of Records now, um, okay. from what I was told. So it was huge. And what okay. were we labeled? Domestic terrorists. I had the FBI up my ass all the time. Um, they were nice, but I don't trust them far. You know, as far as I could throw them. Right. Um, those guys constantly had uh, a tell on me for the longest time. Like I was going to go out and commit something. I was simply doing what I knew Antifa was. I was exposing them for the the rabid animals they are. Um, and by making the uh, posts that I did, the videos I did to amp them up, I knew I was going to get a reaction. My entire plan, and when we planned this rally, was to make videos so inflammatory that they would be so mad, the mere sight of me, the mere... Uh, you know, essence of my just being in that city, they would fucking act out and do something crazy. And they did. They destroyed their own city. And it let showed me, them. Let, let me ask you something, man. And, and you you have spoken on Jade Helm, you know, ad nauseum. But why with, with all the ops that we've ran, you know, if we have mastered the human domain, why don't we see mobilization everybody's everybody's got the box man in their pocket you know every where everybody's tracked you know they it, it doesn't matter so you know why aren't they going out and surgically taking these people down 
because um, it's a it's a trick to fool you. This is a psyop. They want just like just like what the education system does with children, just like with videos that children watch. That's why, yeah, if you're a parent oh, yeah. and you have kids, you need to watch at least five minutes into a video before you leave your child alone. Say Peppa Pig, for instance. Peppa Pig is a video, a show, a British cartoon thing about a pig. Yep. My daughter loves it. Well, in right. that show, almost every episode, <laughs> they make the father seem, the father and mother, to be idiots. They're stupid. Mm -hmm. You can't be trusted. Yeah. They get you lost all the time. And this is indoctrinating children. And then when the children are finally separated from their parents and then brought into the education system, what we're seeing is and, and my mom told me this my mom works at the highest le uh, levels of education she works in universities and all that she's run right. universities she's been president and vice president of universities and now she's a vp at another big college in florida and she says her friends who work in the education system with small children they are told our job is to pull the kids away from the parents to break down what the children believe about parents to be the smart ones the protectors the ones that are going to steal marxists Marxist, to, to, to put them down the right path mm -hmm. it's to think that hey no your parents are dumb and we are god the government and education system is god and we have the right things not your parents your parents don't know what they're talking about they're idiots right. so you have these young people right now who don't want to listen to their parents because they think that all kids i mean all adults are stupid we're boomers we're idiots we're we don't know anything we fucked everything up and it's their turn to come in and fix it all and what you have right now is you know people are have are seeing that the military right now is inept and it's another mind trick everyone's sitting around going well why don't we just call in the military if we've got all this stuff it's to fool you into thinking that they're stupid inept people to create an illusion that you can stand up and run out in the streets and then eventually at a point they're going to put their foot down and you're going to have a boot on your fucking head <laughs> yeah right I, I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, I mean, I I know people. I've gone. I, I'm not for a police state. I, I don't think any true American is for you know a, a you know for calling in and and having the military actually domestically crack skulls. But when they're shooting people, you know, it's it's not protest. It's siege at that point. The rules of engagement are different. And and I mean, they they've destroyed. Here's America. my thing. There's, there's 24 hours in a day, all right? 12 right. of those hours have daylight. Um, right. You can be heard and get your point across in the daytime. Um, the curfew is used. The curfew is not a bad thing. I know a lot of people say that's a police state thing. No, it's a it's a time. and uh, It's been used for years. Mm -hmm. What the curfew does is it separates the people who are out to do good from the ones who are going to do bad at nighttime. So all these people who are out there peacefully protesting, who have a reason to be upset, yes, what that cop did was wrong. You know, if you see the video and the other cops are being arrested today, that was wrong. You know, that guy, regardless of his past or anything like that, someone shouldn't be dying right there. You're not judge yeah. trial. You're not the jury. You're not the hangman. That's not your job. Your job is to to quell the situation and then bring that person in so we and the justice, you know, the justice, the justice system, system yeah. should take it uh, and, and do the right thing. Right. But the justice system, as we know, is pretty intensely far gone as well. <laughs> but but let's just stick with this part, though. So mm -hmm. that's their job, not not to, to kill or anything like that. So there are plenty of reasons to peacefully protest. Now what the BLM has is they have an insurgency form that's, in, uh, you know, infiltrated and they come in and cite shit. And then you have Antifa, which is a domestic terrorist organization. Absolutely. Thank God their president's finally said something like that. That's what we've been working on for years. Myself mm -hmm. and a large group of the Proud Boys is trying to get these guys shown for that. 
Um, but what you can do is you take your time during the day and you get your message across. And you do it while you can be seen. Just like Martin Luther King said, you know, you know, anything in the cover of darkness is wrong. Everything that people yeah. try to do, do it in the daylight. You yeah. know, so you have the curfew, then you go home. Tomorrow you get back up. It's a brand new day. Get back out on the streets, you know, talk, have an engage with the media, have a conversation, talk to other people who don't look like you, speak to mm -hmm. the police and, and you know, let them see the emotional human side of you. You know, but at nighttime when that curfew comes on, everybody that's out there. You're out there for the wrong fucking reasons. And if Absolutely. you're out there for the wrong reasons after that time, it's time for us to come in there and clean it up. That's not right. a police state. You know, if those areas are that are that far gone, it's time that we stand in. And it's the government's job to protect people and their businesses and things like that. And we're seeing people's businesses that they work their entire lives to, to get oh. money to do, to leave to their families a legacy, gone forever. You know, and, and that's just wrong. We should not sit back and allow that kind of shit to happen. Meanwhile, Amazon thrives, you know, you know, all these other big corporations thrive, you know, and they don't have to worry about anything. They're going to get bailed out. They get money all the time. The government throws them all this shit all the time. But it's the small mom and pops that are losing everything. So when that happens, I don't see a problem with it. You know, people should know clearly, look, you have your message do it during this time. But after that, mm -hmm. if you're out there, you're part of the problem. You're not part of the solution anymore. You're not here for George Floyd. You're out here for a fucking 72-inch flat screen TV and you're a selfish son of a bitch and your ass should go to jail. Let, let me ask you this. Um, you know, you said something about um, the spirits of the people in, in the field out there. You said that uh, the only thing they have in abundance is anger. And um, they, um, you, you know... With that, you know, that, that reminds me, you know, the, the way that they approach things and it, it's so just insane. It, it's, it's an Orwellian experience to feel. It's surreal when you're out there and you see these people actually in in person. But, um, you know, uh, it, it kind of reminds me of the make love, not war or will kill you philosophy. You know, it's it's you know, they, they they're going they want their way. And now it's coming out. A lot of these people are, are actors, you know, uh, you know, they they have theater in their backgrounds. Um, and it, it's amazing. I, I think over the next few weeks. Um, but that's but that's that's still a, that's that's one of the things that I don't quite I'm not even really in the daytime. though. That's the thing. I did. I've done movies and TV shows. You know, does that mean that I'm an asset now and that I, you know, look, as a kid, we a lot of us grow up watching movies and want to do stuff like that. And a lot of towns now, like in Charlotte, where I live, it's like the new L.A. You know, right, I've done right. Homeland. I used to do the Homeland show. I did Banshee. I've worked on Transformers stuff when they were doing uh, uh, Airborne Ops and shit like that. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people wanted to be a part of films because films are iconic uh, things that are part of Absolutely. our American culture. So I think a lot of people grow up with a lot of film, uh, you know, in their background. So when I see people like, man, I saw him on that, that means it must be fake. Eh, to me, that's reaching a little bit. Now, you know, if now if you start to see these people all the time and they're always like a part of something, you know, they just always happen to be there. Well, you, you look at the Craigslist ads too, and there's people out there. Well, that, well they, and those are the people, yeah, the 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 people that are in the colleges and and you know the I, I guess what what Alex likes to call the the goblins, if you know what I'm saying. They're they're all just the the pasty white, you know. They they have some type of um, drama 
in their background. They they bring the drama with them, but but there a lot of them are associated with with the colleges, um, Morgantown, five thousand people. From what my son was telling me yesterday, I mean, you know, thank God it didn't get crazy. But yeah, but you know, the the thing is that I, I see those people. I've I've had those people in a white neighborhood um, yelling healthcare is a human right, not just for the rich and white, when all those people around were coal miners and they had lost their jobs and their health care and you know they they were in poverty and squalor and and that sows the hate and when you when you track these people back you know they're all soros funded and again they you know they a lot of them have been through the chicago you know um movements and everything like that yeah, i mean they're all alinsky babies field or, yeah absolutely and they're field organizers now they're, yeah, they're they, they, you know, they grew up reading rules for radicals and things like that i mean if you read the rules for radicals i mean you can see yeah. it happening everywhere you also have to read uh noam chomsky's media control it's another good book it's really small but you read it about a day um but it talks about how they do that manipulate everybody i mean i'm reading a, a book right now called dark psychology and how uh, you to you know to understand the power of manipulation and things like that and how people use dark forces uh, to to brainwash you and to to, to keep you scared. Well, that's the, that's and that's what we've seen with the, the what? number one tool of the Illuminati. Um, you know, as far as I understand it, they're they're master psychologists. They understand the the deep inner workings of the of the psyche. And um, well, I mean, you, know, you see I what's heard, happening with the pandemic. What did we learn from the pandemic? Is that the masses will yes. shut the hell up and sit down in their house and do what they're told. And this and, and this is what we've been seeing happening for a long time. What is that stuff that Dave and Knight always talked about? Uh, God, I can't remember what it's called. Where you live in the small places, the small quarters, and you, uh, you sit the there. Gulag, the the no, ghettos, the no, digital uh, ghetto. It's a, I can't remember the name of it. It was like a, a government name for something that they were trying to do. You know, they, they're forcing everybody inside. And what do they You'll do watch. when they – Yeah, uh -huh. digital games. What happens when you're inside? You're forced to sit there and watch the TV, and then they sit there and indoctrinate you. Like, oh, if you even look at the ads on your phone, you know, it's like, you know, you try to buy something, you know, like toilet paper or whatever. It's like, but you got to watch this 30-second ad on this new show on Amazon about two dudes who, you know, fell in love and they're going to get married. You know, it's all these small little things that are happening that they're pushing – into your idea, uh, into your heads, you know, like, you know, you, if you don't like this, you're homophobic, you know, and then like click to buy your toilet paper for $50 for, you know, uh, a fucking, you know, two of them, you know, it's all this stuff that they're doing to screw with people's heads and to make you feel guilty and to make you feel bad. If you don't accept all these new crazy things that are out there, you know, like, you know, the lady who thinks she's black, Rachel Dolezal, or the dude who thinks he's, you know, a Filipino, uh, truck driver thing. And it's just, it's insanity that we live in and it, it's to them it's like to me there's like a room full of guys and they're sitting back just laughing like what's the dumbest thing we can push today and and have people go out and become violent and fight for for no reason when um let, let me ask you this i don't know if you've ever been asked this but can do you recall the day the 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 moment where your world went from your reality went from you know it's it's little pink houses for you and me ain't that america to there's a dark underbelly first running week in shit. iraq and it First week in Iraq, it. I was in, it was 2004, it was, we went in at the end of 2003, but it was like the, yeah, it was like right at 2004, I remember we stopped on a convoy at this bazaar, a bazaar is like a jockey lot area, like a, 
a spot where there's a bunch of stores up and down the road and you can go and buy DVDs and shit like that. And the the locals there will sell stuff to soldiers, you know. And I thought I was buying this Jean-Claude Van Damme film and it was in fact Loose Change. Loose Change is a mm. documentary on the nice. on 9/11. And nice I remember good. going, "What the hell is this? I want to watch Jean-Claude Van Damme. Fuck it, I'll watch it, whatever." And I remember watching it, and by the time the damn movie was over, I was filled with rage and anger. I was like, fuck, man, why am I here? I've been lied to. You know, this this thing that I love, this country, you know, the red, white, and blue, you know, right. uh, you know, justice and liberty for all. And, you know, we're supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. It's all a fucking lie, you know. And, and you know, it makes you think, like, really, are we the, the greatest country in the world, or are we just brainwashed to, to think that? And we... We think that, you know, it's, it, I don't know, it, it took me down a rabbit hole and, and I started really struggling with my existence um, in the military. But then you slip back into, you know, hey, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm here now. And right. it's me and my guys getting home. So I right. tried to push that shit out of my head for a while. Uh, the day I got out, though, when I called Michael, him and I, like, would sit down and have these conversations. And he's like, man, he's like, you know, you're really starting to see what's going on. He goes, like, it's bad on all sides. He's like, left, right, it doesn't matter. It's all bullshit. He goes, they just want con- complete and total control of you, you know? So that that was my moment, and uh, that, yeah, that that memory will never leave my head. <laughs> I got you. I understand. Um, talking about the Proud Boys, um, do you know the name PJ Tobia? Uh, producer, uh, um, I guess uh, he, he did a, a piece on... Uh, Chris Hill and the 3% Security Force. Um, And I ran across him because I guess the keyword was InfoWars in a search. And uh, I got to to meet Chris and uh, he did a podcast with me. Um, Then I met him in in, uh, Richmond. Uh, I was up there just just trying to chronicle everything that, you know, just just from my perspective. But... um, you know, uh, you're a very approachable guy. You you don't yeah. put you don't put shit out there. I've I've, I've seen some videos where you're, you're clearly trying to do other shit, and people come up to you and they're just they're just trying to put this hour long you know piece together, <laughs> and um but but then you have these people who are mainstream media. I mean PBS, um you know and and you know Chris you know Chris told me he said you know they came in and and they they were they acted like they were my friend it, it was basically you know guerrilla journalism um you know and and Chris I think was caught blindsided they they were equating white supremacists and the word the words info wars and and 3% security force I, I I guess what I'm getting at um you know is um uh, w- with this you know, especially with PBS. I mean, I mean, isn't it time that we we take a close look at at actually who is is actually com- saying, "Hey, I want these pieces put together. I want this slant." I asked him. I said, "Man, what?" I, I asked PJ Tobia. I, I sent him a a message on Twitter, and I said, um, "You know, basically." Do you kind of like I just asked you about, you know, the day that, uh, you know, that you realized that shit wasn't what it was? Well, I asked him, does he remember the day that he crossed over and became a member of the the Mockingbird Media? And maybe it wasn't the nicest way to introduce myself, but uh, it got the conversation started a little bit. But he he doesn't want to talk about it. I'll again invite him on. Uh, But, uh, you know, there's uh, there's people who total line. There's people who total line. I like people call me fucking people would call me a celebrity and shit. And I just never understood that whole crap. 
Like I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get off on that. Like you know, and I'm not trying to be mean, but like, like Milo, he's a fucking giant narcissist. I mean, does he have good things to say? Does he make great points? Yes. But Milo is about Milo. Milo is about how he's looking in the media and how he is appearing. I want what I'm projecting and talking about to be that. I want the right. world to clamor over this. Like this is bad. This is good. Watch this. Not me. I don't. I don't care about, hey, look at me, I'm Joe Biggs. Ew, ew, that's so cool. No, that's like that. If, if you get to a point like where that's where you care about, then you shouldn't be in, in this shit. And, you know, it, it got to a point too when I was when I was there, people were trying to treat me so much like I was this like celebrity like thing. I, I just couldn't deal with it. I didn't like it because when it gets to that point, I don't know. It's it's weird. I, I like where I'm at now with Censor.TV uh, and Gavin. Because I don't have, it's me at home doing the stuff on my own for my studio. I don't have the people chirping in my ears. I don't have all this stuff to taint me. Like when I go to D.C. and I go to Trump International, everybody in their dresses up uh, like in suits. And they all, you know, like, you know, whimsy around and rub shoulders. And like, look at me. I did this. I wrote this. I did this video. I looked at this. Mm-hmm. I sit in a corner by myself and I'll sit there and drink beers because the other people are there. And I just sit there and hang out. And people will come over and talk to me and shit like that. You know, it's, you know, I want what I do to be remembered for exposing something that was good and maybe helped enlighten a human being on something or have a conversation with someone and they go, you know what, you know, that's, that's a good idea. I never thought about that, you know, like to, to be remembered for something like that, not to, you know, you know how many people offered me money (laughs) to talk shit about Alex when I got out, when I, when I left Infowars, I had CNN, I had everybody calling me trying to fucking get me to like unleash dirt and do all this shit. And I was like, you know what? I could do that and I can make a shit ton of money and probably never have to work again. Or I could just, you know, be true to myself and just, you know, take some time off, reflect on life and and really decide if this is something I really want to keep doing or not. Because when you get to a level, people want to give you all this influence and they want to give you all this power and crap. And, you know, I think that's too dangerous for anybody to have, you know, no one's opinion should be held higher than another. I think we should collectively be able to have these conversations. And then with what, with what we come up with, that should be like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. You know, you know what? I, I, I think maybe though, that it, it even could be, um, you know, I, I don't know how religious you are, but I, I you know, it, it could be just, uh, just prosperity. I mean, you've been censored. You've been massively censored. You can't, you've lost PayPal. So, the, I guess it was the Streisand effect. The the more the the more they strike you down, the more powerful you become in a way. And and soak it in, dude. Um, you know, in that respect. But they've taken everything from me in a sense. Like I can't make the money that I used to be able to make. I can't provide for myself. I really have to, you know. Just a few months ago, I was working at a fish market. You know, getting by, doing things I could, slinging fish. That's not easy work. Dude, I, <laughs> the I fucking understand. fish out here in the ocean are big. Right. <laughs> Believe me, man, I, I understand. You know, um, so, I mean, I was out here doing that shit until my, my knee finally just quit on me, and I just had to have reconstructive surgery. It was an old war wound, and then I re-injured it again in Miami with uh, Rufio, the Proud Boys. It was during the first DNC debates back last summer. Um, my leg just snapped, and then I was out there slinging fish, and it just went. Just, I ended up tearing my meniscus and all that. So, you know, it's given me time to sit back and and I, I had to take a break for a while. When I was still in Austin, I had to sit back and take a breath like, man, this shit's really getting crazy. Like, you know, what do I want to do? And I missed it. And that's when Gavin's like, look, dude, I'm starting this network. You know, come with me. 
And uh, he's like, I'm not going to tell you what you can say or what you can't say. He goes, in fact, I'm not even going to look at anything you put up unless I just watch it to watch it. He's like, I'm not going to watch it first, review it, and then you can put it up. He goes, you fucking speak your mind and follow whatever you want to. And then, you know, you put it out. So I'm the one who films it. I edit it. And I put it up without anybody telling me what I can or can't do. I have complete and total control. That is cool. You know, in InfoWars, I didn't have that power because Alex likes to have that kind of he likes to make sure that everything's looking a specific way and that's that's not wrong it's, he he runs a more professional network so it's got to it's got to fit that type of dynamic to be able to look that way because what he's trying to do is look I'm a regular guy who was able to create a media empire and I have the same studio if not nicer and I can create content just as good as you guys with 90% less people than you fuckers have right you know but- let me ask you about that because you went you went from I, I think maybe you did uh, a little bit of you know you, you you were in college for a bit but you went basically from the, being a soldier to a, a journalist mm-hmm. and and you started out even as a as a citizen journalist yeah. um, you know and you were on a pursuit you you were you were you were you know so so you've you've kind of you've kind of evolved over over these years I mean. I guess you grabbed the Infowars, you know, bull by the horns. You rode the tiger, the Infowars tiger. Um, get compare that, you know, compare the the military to to what you've seen in the streets, to what to where you are, and uh, to where we are in America. I mean, compare well, me, you know. When Alex brought me in, he goes, "What can I contribute?" And he told me, he goes, "He goes, I'm hiring you." And he goes, "I know you don't have any experience in this stuff." He goes, I, "He's like, I just see that you have something in your eye. You have a passion." He goes, what do you what do you want to bring to this? And I said, well, you know, I, I did a lot of homework. I'd never heard of Infowars before. And I started watching a lot of their content before I moved down to Austin. And I said, what I notice is, is you guys have a professional look, but you're lacking reporters on the ground. You're not mm-hmm. going out and doing anything. I said, I don't. I said, my experience in combat has left me uh, with a void in the fear mode. I don't I don't really get scared. I don't really get nervous with things like that. The more chaotic the situation in fact, the more calm and composed I begin to feel, like it's like a wave of calmness that happens when everything's blowing up around me and shit's going crazy. So I really pushed with him to let me get out in the streets, to really get out there in the mix of stuff. Um, when the Ferguson riots happened, that's when I was really able to like, look, this is what I can do and this is what I can offer. Just give me a chance to do it. And it blew up. You know, this was, we were the first people um, to do this ever. We were the first to use cell phones and broadcast live through these programs that weren't even made for that. They were used for like church services and, you know, school graduations. And we took it to the front line of, uh, you know, breaking news and we made it huge. We we gave people, everyday citizens, the, the ability, the confidence and the power to go out and take on the mainstream media establishment. Right. And that's what Jakari and I and, and, and Rob Dew eventually came out there and we really worked on these cool tools to be able to mount cell phones and microphones and make these sticks and battery packs. And we learned that if we called the cell phone company and gave them a little bit of extra money, they'd, they'd boost our signal over everyone else's. And I mean, it was trial and error after trial and error, you know, frustrations of right. you know battery packs going out and blowing up and overheating because we had to learn what could withstand because none of this stuff had ever been used out <laughs> elements like this before. Like usually people use a battery pack while they're in school and they're, you know, they're charging their laptop or their cell phone inside, you know, like a library, not 
but while it's raining and tear gas is being shot, there's flashbangs going off and bullets whizzing by your head and blazing fires, you know, and, you know, rioters coming up and punching you and trying to grab your shit. I mean, you really learn what's what kind of equipment out there is strong and, and can handle it, what can't, you know. So it, it was really a trial by fire. But when we perfected it and we got it, wow. I mean, look oh, at the yeah. shit we could do. I mean, it was amazing. We, you, you know, I'm like... The, the, the Paris attack happened. I go, I was like, Alex, this is happening right now. I was like, send me a fucking plane now. Let's go. He goes, well, well, well he's like, you know, he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, dude, let's fucking do it. I was like, we've already broken all the stuff here in the U.S. Let's make this global. Let's go to other places and fucking show people that this news is because what I learned when, when I got really big there, I would be in an airport. I would have Iraqi families. Swedish families, people from all over the world come up to me in airports knowing who I am watching all the shit that we're doing. It only made sense that we would take this to the next level and go around the world and talk about issues. I mean, other than that, they were doing Bilderberg. That was it. And Bilderberg right. is kind of a, a like a like a niche thing. Not everybody's into yeah. it. Not everybody who watches Infowars. I was never into it because you're yelling that's at a, a dark, bunch of people. Dark, of that, yeah, that's the dark, dark underbelly there. You know, I, I, think, I think the moment that for me personally, when you came on, that that it went into to, to high speed shit was when you were at the border or, or somewhere, and they were bringing you know loads of drugs across, and you went across you know you all you had your crew there you you caught it on the film, yeah. and uh, I mean I said uh, that was the high speed shit. That's when Infowars uh, to me went high speed um, yeah. because that was. Again, truth to power, uh, you know. And, and, and the uh, thing that really stopped us from going any further, and the thing that stops me now, was funding. You know, when right. we started getting banned from everywhere, we started losing advertisers. When you lose advertisers, you don't have that same kind of uh, income. It's expensive to fly just me and another guy. Um, you know, you want at least three people, but we were trying to learn. Like I would have to cross train in so many different things, and so. With Josh, Josh was our camera guy, but then Josh also had to learn how to write other things and to do other stuff and to help Josh almost yeah and pull security yeah. in a sense. Or Jakari would have to cross train on things. Jakari was already in the forefront of cross training. Jakari was, to me, one of the most pure, amazing human beings ever. He's yeah, and uh, it's like this guy just had a, a thirst for knowledge and not just like seeking the truth in a sense, but I mean learning new things and expanding his abilities to be able to do stuff as a human being. So it really pushed us in the office to have people like that around. We would push each other and compete and kind of like, you know, you know, push ourselves to learn more. So to have a team of two or three guys, that's, you know, three, four thousand dollars sometimes a plane ticket just to go overseas. Um with inter intercontinental anywhere from, you know, Five hundred to a thousand dollars, so that's three thousand dollars for three guys. Then you got to get a rental car. That's another five hundred, six hundred bucks. Oh, you got to get food. Um, right. Then you, when you get there on the ground, depending on what's what's happening, it could just be pouring down rain. And you only packed certain stuff, or you get there and someone stole a bag or whatever. You know, you've got to buy equipment on the fly. You got to buy rain gear on the fly. Right. So it becomes a very expensive process, and uh, it. And then you're also running from people trying to chase you. Like we're in the border. We had people fucking coming after us. We had Security. to like hide our vehicle. Yeah. We had to pull right. license plate off our vehicles and hide them and shit, park shit in bushes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's insanely costly to get it done. And that's the one thing that regretfully sucks about the censorship and being deplatformed is you no longer have the ability to raise that money. If I had if I could make if I could bring in ten thousand dollars a month, I would I guarantee you I'd be the top journalist Change in the country. The world. 
Yeah. I could do it just by myself. I could go and travel exactly. around, but it costs money to do that. And you right. can only do so much with a limited budget. And that's what sucks is that people out there that actually want to get the truth out there and the people out there who actually have good intentions, we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're thrown into a corner and told to shut the fuck up. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Just shut down, unpersoned, uh, wiped out, you know, memory hold uh, out the Internet. Um couple more things, dude. I know we're, we've got about, uh, looks like about 15 more minutes. I, I, I was going to run you for about an hour, man, if that's yeah, cool. That's if you, yeah. if you want to talk longer, that's, that's no, up I, to yeah, you. I, I don't have. Be. Okay. Um, with, um, you know, the, uh, I, I, I guess I, I really want to talk about Roger. Um, but I, I, I want, I want to close with that. Um, you know, I want to, you know, maybe, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. I just want to go back because this may uh, uh, pull some other people in, um, uh, you know, from other niches and things like that. But I would just want to backtrack on something. You said that uh, you did some work on Transformers. Uh, yeah. I'm, I don't know if you can see behind me. Yeah, I saw I that have, after I said I have, that. And I saw I you kind of get excited. I was like, holy shit, he's got Transformers everywhere. Well, I, <laughs> I have. I have my Secret Service letter. I did a um, behind me. I don't know if you can see, but right yeah. in the center. Under, so I have my Secret Service letter. I, I was uh, honored to do a, uh, a volunteer um, driver position in, a, in the presidential motorcade, and I, I really enjoyed that. But uh, but um, I have my MAGA Jazz right there. I don't know if you know the story behind that, but Jazz in the Power of the Primes line uh had a little Cybertronian glyph that was snuck onto him that in Cybertronian spelled M-A-G-A. Huh. And so you have to be a really hardcore, no pussy getting fanboy to know that. But uh, the, you have to be an even worse one because it, it raised so much hell. The, 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 the backlash from the, the social justice warriors out there because Hasbro was promoting hate it, it forced Hasbro to issue an, a you know a statement on it. So I uh, just wanted to give you a little background on that. Did did you do the the desert jumps or did you were you in desert? Did you do what what? Part yeah, of it's it? it's when we were out there at White Sands or whatever, uh, right outside of El Paso, and they had us coming out there to consult and talk about stuff and to make sure that the guys were looking a certain way and acting a certain way. And 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 I've I've done consulting on a number of films when I was in the army. Uh, they would pull some of us out who are they consider they call high speed guys, you know that they were had their shit together so they would allow us to do fun stuff. You know we didn't need to constantly train all the time because we took it amongst ourselves to do it anyways. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean I did the I did the U.S. Army sexual assault video. Uh, you know they had they would they they bring actors into these bases all the time and they'll sit down and learn from us. They watch our <laughs> mannerisms. They sit back yeah, and study awesome. how we talk to each other. That way they can get that kind of shit. Um, Okay. Yeah, that ha that that way that when you watch the movie, you're not like me sometimes. Like with Hurt Locker, I'm screaming, going, "Oh my God, what are they doing right now? I can't say, I can't take this." Like Hurt Locker was the worst ever right. for someone from a military standpoint. And, and it's good though when you see Hollywood actually take the time and the respect. I would say because there's a lot of work that goes into looking that oh, way, absolutely. into training yourself to be that way, and to you know to hold yourself in a certain way. Uh, a, a level of leadership and respect that you're trying to portray while also being joke, you know, jokingly, you know, assertive and things like that. So um, those are the kind of things we would do. Okay. Um, you mentioned and, Roger. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting, we're getting ready to hit that now. Um, I think, I, I don't know if you've seen my Twitter, but uh, 
Nope. I, <laughs> I haven't seen anybody's Twitter. <laughs> well, well, for, for a long time. Yeah, that's right. I've, I've, duh. But uh, yeah. Um, July 4th too. will be my one year anniversary of being 100% deplatformed. I started Power Monkey Radio on July 4th, and we're coming up on a one-year anniversary, so uh, happy anniversary to you, and yeah. uh, I will be sure to, to mention that when we broadcast on it July was the 4th. Day, it was the day of our, uh, God, I can't remember the name of the, we did a big rally in D.C., and Antifa showed up in the thousand, or uh, about a thousand and a half. Was it called the My Pussy Hurts Rally or something like that? No. It was, My uh, Pussy Hurts Rally, no, I don't know. It was a real professional thing because Milo spoke. Uh, Laura got up there and oh, spoke. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I thought that was conservative. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> they had another rally that they were trying to use to drown ours out. But Daryl Lamont Jenkins came over and had a conversation with us. He's one of the top Antifa guys, and uh, I'll never forget that guy. He saw him and he goes, "I'm walking by because I'm kind of like running security in a sense with a lot of the other guys and you know making sure that we don't have any infiltrators." And uh, he goes, there's that motherfucker right there, Joe Biggs. He goes, you're my number one enemy. And I was like, me? <laughs> I was like, little me? I was like, well, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. And then the T-shirt I had on, it said uh, death to communism or something like that. And he goes, I fucking hate that shirt. <laughs> okay, man. Here we go. Roger Stone. Um, you, you had mentioned being political and maybe doing some political work on the side, or I'm not really sure what happened. The, that was on Twitter right before he, they unpersoned you, I believe, but not getting into that. But I think the things that Roger has done politically, we I, I did some some work with these, these hardcore just patriot field organizers. And when sh we were in shitty territory and when shit was looking bad and you saw the uh, Obama stickers on the bumpers and everything like that we we had a saying and it was wwrsd and that stands for what would roger stone do yeah. and we would go knock that fucking door and um you know he i mean he other than trump i think maybe the left hates him more than anybody on the planet and um He's been silenced. You covered it, um, you know, and I could I could hear the pain in your your voice when you talked about it that day. But um, you know, just talk about where Roger is now. Um, you know what people can do. I mean, you know, just 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 to be heard, just so that the, I, I don't know why the Patrick Moore said, you know, it takes time, and you know that you know just wait uh, on the Leo Zagami show when you know when when I was on there, but. I don't know why we don't have that pardon. Trump is a hated man, and the deep state hates him. And every day he waits. I, I, I like 99.9% .9 of the things he does. But I, as a big fuck you to, to these people, I would have pardoned Roger Stone before the shit went before the shit went down i mean he he has been silent i'm, I'm hoping yeah. i'm hoping he does it when it gets to a point where like all right you got to go to jail you know when it got pushed back then he didn't say anything because I, I don't think he, he's not too worried about it i'm hoping i mean this is just my opinion you know they've known each other for a long time you know there should be loyalty within friends uh especially think. especially when your friends the one Especially when your friend's the one who over years you know for years and years and years told you to do this and then you did it and you actually got it um, and helped you get to that point and helped mold you into being a good candidate that had a chance of winning, especially right. when you were the underdog that you were. You know, I would hope that he would stand up and do something, you know, but he's going to have an ear to what's going to happen before we hear about it. So I'm sure yeah. if it gets to a point where he he's about to go in, 
he'll stand up and do something. I don't think he could do stuff for like Manafort because Manafort was doing some fucked up shit. You know, mm-hmm. they should have never found out about it. They only found out about it because they were digging so much into everything that they came across this and they just were looking for anything to get him. Um, Absolutely. You know, and to me, that's still wrong. You shouldn't go to jail for something, <laughs> you know, if, if they're... I don't know, man. It's just so messed up. It, 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 was, it, it, was, all it, a, it was all a sham. It was all a sham to begin with. And he's going to jail for something that was a sham. It's saddening. You know, the guy, he's put in his whole life, you know, doing this kind of stuff and helping. I mean, yeah, he, he's done some he's done some dirty shit. But, you know, you got to do dirty shit in, the, in, a, in a city full of dirt and shit. I love that. I love Get Me Roger Stone. It's one of my favorite documentaries ever. (laughs) It was fun filming that. It was it was fun doing that. They've got they've got another thing they're filming. It was when we were there for the case. They were filming another part to that for his uh, when we're in DC. Yeah, you you could tell Roger was really just down, you know, because it's like you've been fighting for your country. You've been trying to get the right people in place to do. And make the right moves, and then just your association gets you, you know, wrecks your life. Oh my God. So, you know, Absolutely. it's just like any of us who've really put our neck out there for Trump, right. we've all kind of been thrown under the bus. So, you know, I just, you know, he keeps his head up. He's doing good. He was watching my live stream earlier on Instagram, which was kind of funny. I was doing a show with my buddy on his or whatever, and we, he brought me in on it, uh, my buddy Outlaw Morgan. And uh, he was watching, but I mean, he's a good guy. He's got a good heart and a good soul, and you know, he loves his I country. And he's trying to do what he he just does the things that he thinks he needs to do to to help keep that country on the right path, you know. And you know, I, in, in a world full of politicians that are so hell bent on turning this place into a commie shithole, this is one guy that's standing up and telling them to fuck off. And he literally says that to their faces, and that's what they hate. They hate and that that's he doesn't what I love. Line <laughs> You know, um, I think one of the you were talking about, you know, doing this for, you know, posterity and and so that, you know, for history. But I think um, one of the greatest pieces written in in this in this American, this piece of American history, this this American saga is the article where he mentions that, you know, he knows God is using him to expose certain truths. I have that pinned to the top of my Twitter. Excuse me. Not that uh, not that you can see that. But, uh, I mean, I have that pinned to, uh, you know, to the top of my Twitter, and, and it, I, I think it's one of the greatest pieces written in, in the American saga because, um, you know, he, he, I think at that point, he ha- I, I had chills on my arms, and I can only imagine that the man had chills on the back of his neck and, and you know, just writing it. And yeah. um, I know that God is with him, but... Um, uh, Three last minutes, uh, just one last thing. You know, regarding the 3%, you know, I, I, a lot of those people out there, they, um, and I know that it was closer to 30%. I'm just throwing that out there as the archetype. But can we still turn it around politically? Uh, you know, if we knock doors, if if we hop on the, the, the GOP's red dollar and only pledge to call campaigns for for people who will sign a document or give their word. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is there. But, I mean, but so, so, I'm still trying to figure out an it? answer. Do you, do you think we can change it politically? Because I, in, in uh, 2016, I had to go to these people and say, hey, you're being censored. Your opponents aren't. So I don't know. Um, 
How did how did they get in? How did they get in touch with you, Joe? Um, uh, well, I'll, I'll, let me answer it to the sense of what you're saying. Um, okay. We people need to to get mad. You know, there's nothing wrong with being angry, because right now the left sees us as weak. Let's just be honest. You know, we we talk a lot and we bitch about being censored, but what do we do? We continue to use the websites and we continue to promote the Twitters and we continue to promote the Facebooks that hold us back instead of saying getting off Twitter and logging off and deleting it, getting off Facebook, logging off and deleting it and going to places like Parler and things like that that actually uh, uphold good American values and allow freedom of speech to exist. We need to take a stand. And if we really want to hurt the left, we need to vote with our dollars. We need to stop using their shit. And we need to be angry and go out and make statements. The left constantly will show up in droves and they go out there and express themselves and they call for people to shut down right-wing businesses because they hate everything that we stand for. Why can't why can't the right do that? Why can't they stand up and see this as a war? Because the left surely hell sees this as a war and they're the only ones out there willing to fight. We have people who make videos and we talk and we bitch, but we need to take it to the next level. And that doesn't well, mean being violent. But that means getting it means emotional. Being politically active. It, you have yeah. if you're not if it, it's ballot or bullet, man. What I'm saying, and and this, I don't know if you can see it, and I don't yeah. know if you know the name uh, Richard Ojeda, darling of uh, the Young Turks, uh, with Chunk Yunker. <laughs> you know, I mean, no Jetta. We changed that. Th this man was destined for a seat. And uh, here in West Virginia, and it just took a few guys. And what I'm saying is, if all the guys who go out and train um, the security, the three percent security forces of the world, the the oath keepers of the world, if they will, if they will call their their you know local, you know wh whoever they're behind, I mean, if they're Americans, they're going to support the right people. But call and say, I will, I will make five hundred calls for for the president this this term. I will make five thousand calls. And and hop on fucking red dollar and use your voice. If if all you can do is a keyboard, use your damn phone. If all you can do is, is sit at your on your ass and talk about what you want to do, here's here's your chance. You know, lock and load and do it. Well, people um, but, people on the right though too though, you know, we don't we don't have anybody on the right that's that's putting up money. You know, the left is constantly putting up money for other other individuals. We need people that have the money. Time. To, and, time. And, well, no, if not everybody money, can go. Time. No, no, no. Well, my point is, is not everybody can go. But what we can do is we can start to organize. Look at these. Uh, what are they calling the organ? What are the? What does Obama call themselves? Alinsky. Um, what were they called? The organizing. What was it called? Uh, politi uh, the uh, community organizing. Yeah, community organizing. We need yeah. to start doing stuff like that in a sense. We well, need to go, well, okay, this are. person, let's say that Sally can't travel, but Sally has really good phone abilities. Well, all right, now Sally will delegate and make other people who are like Sally to go out and make phone calls. The people who can actually go to events will go to events. You know, we need people to bring in money. We need to be able to fundraise. We need to be able to get uh, organized and have an organized system because the left is doing it. They're beating our butts in it. Well, I, know, I mean, I just you have too I many just people know. by themselves trying to do it, take on the, the the country's problems one little group at a time. But we need to get together as a whole and try to come together and do something. I, I think collectively we could kick ass. I, I mean, I just know some hardcore field organizers, and and if I ever write a book, it's going to be called Blood Red Summer, and it's going to talk about sixteen and just just the things I saw, you know, doing what I, you know, doing what I did there. But because it it was it was craziness, and it really opened my eyes. Like you live in Minnesota right now, and you're not in Minneapolis standing up for those businesses and going out there arming oh, yourselves. You know, you're you're sitting back and you're complicit. Like people, like in this area, we got guys. I'm only sitting down here for like another month or two. 
until my knees at a point where I can actually like juke and jive a little bit. I need to be able to at least I can't put myself into a situation where I'm just going to get kicked in the leg and I'm out and I'm going to get fucking trampled to death. Yeah, I got um, you, man. But, you know, we've got guys right now that are going like, all right, what's happening in Orlando? What's happening in Tampa? What's happening in Miami? And they're going out and they're going out there and taking time out of their day to do stuff. I mean, just a show of force. Even if you can only do one day, people need to do That's the it. one day. You know, it's like uh, when the uh, the national, what was it, the recruiting stations were getting attacked, you know, in Austin. What we do? We went out there with fucking armor and guns and sat outside and protected those guys. Amen. You know, it's little things like that. And then you catch the media and it gives us uh, really good optics. And that's another thing that Wright needs to work on is getting good optics. You resist, know, not- resist the devil and he will flee from you. But yep. you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, Joe, I, I really appreciate you. How, um, how do people support you? Where do they find you? Um, how can they help you the most um, achieve what, what you're, what you're out to do? Well, I do a show on censored.tv. That's C E N S O R E D.tv. Um, that URL alone has been banned from all social media. So if you even type in censor.tv on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anything like that, your post will not go up. Um, right. so you have to censor, Get creative. Then, then you got to put, Hey, go check out the episode at censored, then spell DOT space TV, you know, to get things out. That's just how ridiculous it's getting, but you can go out there and watch us. The support is right. there. Um, I do have a parlor account. The name is at Joe Biggs. So at Joe Biggs on Parlor, you can find me there. And then I do have an Instagram. I'm somehow been able For to keep up. This is like my right. 50th one I've made in a year, but it stayed the longest. It's right. at or it's Anticom Biggs, A-N-T-I-C-O-M-B-I-G-G-S. That's anti-communist Biggs, Anticom Biggs. So and I've got like a thousand followers on her. I've kept it kind of low profile for a while, but it's been Almost a year since the whole thing in Portland, so I've been able to stay out of the eyes for a while, so this has been able to last. Um, But you can go there, and if you ever want to support, just shoot me a message, and we can talk about how you can help with anything like that. I mean, like I said, I'm very approachable and pretty easy to get along with and easy to talk to. So um, if you're ever interested or have any information or anything like that, it always helps out. I'm getting my new press credentials in. They're supposed to be here the next day or so. I'm getting my new Censored.TV mic flag in, and I'm getting everything ready for – this summer because shit's about to heat up. If you think 2020 has been bad, uh, it's only going to get worse in my opinion. I'd say about, you know, three times worse. Yeah. Well, that magic number 21 is an agenda 21. So let's see what we get, you know, but, uh, man, I I really appreciate you. Uh, Oh, agenda 21. That's the one I was trying to remember. That's the small housing and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. I I, I was thinking maybe that's what you were talking about. But, uh, last thing real quick jingle, if you don't mind, if you, if you do, I understand, but, can I get you just to, I got Leo to say, Leo's got me to say it the other day. I'll put you on Powder Monkey Radio. Uh, if you'd say, uh, this is Joe Biggs, I want my Powder Monkey Radio. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Joe Biggs, and I want my Powder Monkey Radio. You are the fucking man, sir. <laughs> Have a great no day, man. See you later. I'll, I'll let you know when it's up. All right, cool. Sounds good. All right.
You're listening to the Powder Monkey Podcast on PirateInfoWars.com.